Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and frankly, I love Eggplant. Uh, joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to Star Trek Discoverage. Thank you. It's been so long. Uh, it has, uh, and we're kind of shaking the, the rust <laughs> off, but I'm sure we'll uh, get back into it as as we go here. Uh, how have you been? Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm now back, back in, I mean, I'm no longer in London. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's how I, and it's my senior year of college. So <laughs> that's how I am. <laughs> so it's great then. <laughs> and you're, uh, it's, it's been, oh my God, it's fantastic. Yeah. Classes are, uh, are started and everything. Yep. Yep. Um, so I have one filmmaking class this semester and the rest are libeds. So my one night class on Tuesdays is really, really saving me. <laughs> oh, really? What night, night, like, uh, what mm-hmm. time? Um, it is five forty-five to nine Oh five. Oh, Oh boy. Okay. I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that is fun, I guess. Um, how do you, uh, think you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm doing good. I actually um not to brag, but um oh, last please. week we turned in our yeah, I know, our 1 minute short films and my short film was the only one that my professor didn't uh criticize at all. So Oh really? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we played it and then when it ended, he said, oh, "I mean, oh my god, A+. Plus. I'm hooked. I want more." And I was like, "That I'm going to live off that compliment oh, for the rest boy. of the semester." <laughs> That's the kind of lack of criticism that leads to great filmmakers <laughs> being told Surrounded that you're... by yes, men. Yes, exactly. Uh, cinematic greatness is on the way. Well, that's all good to hear, uh, but let's get right into it because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we're back. Uh, here we are. Uh, it's something of a surprise. Uh, this was uh, a little bit of a surprise that the... Uh, Short Trek was dropped basically at New York City Comic Con. We knew that they were kind of in the mix and they were on the way, but guess what? Bam, here they are. And they're like, it's live now. And then everyone's like, oh, we have to sit through everything. Yeah, right. But you got to watch this uh, panel uh, and then (laughs) see it later. And I think that it's, um, I mean, I'm glad they're back, but it's a little, you know, a little inconvenient for us. But here we are. Uh, It's also (laughs) interesting because, you know, they do this thing. I'm sure you've seen this as a nerd, you know, you they always want to save announcements for uh, for big events, Comic-Cons, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, they've released uh, some trailers that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I think it's funny that they waited to release the short trick because we've got another one coming up like this week. Literally. Four days. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why they didn't just do it uh, last month in September. But anyway, that is uh, my criticism <laughs> of them but that stops here let's talk about um some of the other news that came out of nycc uh specifically the picard trailer and the star trek discovery trailer and i guess uh, i want your thoughts first on the picard trailer star trek picard um i'm i'm very hopeful that i don't (laughs) i'm getting to the point where i'm a little worthy of my hopes up too much if i'm you know but um i i mean 
I mean, my hopes are already up. So really, I'm just trying to undo what I've already done to myself. But I do. <laughs> I'm very excited. I think that it's it's promising. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Something that we've talked about, I think, on this show before that I have to continually get over is um, the difference in the look of Star Trek now. Uh, it's something, yeah. that, you know, that we sometimes malign, sometimes praise. I definitely think that all the CBS shows look great. But it's almost like uh, being somebody like you see those videos of a kid who learns to hear for the first time, like they give him a cochlear implant or something like that. And they're like, whoa, oh, I, I can hear birds. I can hear this person speaking. It, I, I feel like like I've been living. Uh, I've only been seeing black and white uh, to continue to mix metaphors. And now I'm walking out of like my uh, house, my Kansas house, and I'm seeing The Wizard of Oz. And it's a little uh, disorienting. Every Trek show before this has been. Flat lighting, a uh, ship that looks like you yeah. know, the lobby of a hotel, <laughs> and now it's all mm -hmm. uh, lasers and, and cinematic lighting and uh, a lot of set dressing, and it's great, but at the same time, I every time I see something new, I'm like, what is this? This is, uh, I'm a little overwhelmed. I was going to say, it's the lighting and it's the colors. Yeah, like that, a, yeah, yeah. I feel like so much Star Trek has this background of like dark gray, unless they're on like a planet. Yeah. And now it's like the lighting's fantastic. The <laughs> like there's color everywhere. Yeah, what you said about like lasers, like <laughs> <laughs> or phasers. It's yeah, so lasers new. or phasers. Yeah. Um, I am really excited about it though. Something that I think that the trailers are doing a good job of, especially this one, is giving us a sense of this cast of characters that we're going to see. Every time you do one of these uh, Star Trek shows, you basically have to sell an audience on an all new cast of relative unknowns. And are they going to be interesting and charismatic? And are they going to have characters? Uh, I think the answer is yes, mostly, sometimes not yes uh, for some Star Trek shows. But I think that this Star Trek show, I'm very interested to find out about every single one of these characters. And they give them these little mini arcs in, especially this last trailer where you go, okay, so like uh, Picard is going to like the Michelle Hurd character and he's got to get her back. You know, I need, I need you for one last job. We've got the cigar chomping mm -hmm. uh, captain. Like what's his thing? You've got the, <laughs> the Kung Fu like Romulan guy. It's like, Oh, what's his thing? And to me, it, it feels you like mean, um, the, the, the guy that's literally Legolas. Yeah. Right. The Legolas guy, the space elf. Yeah. <laughs> <Honestly>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels sort of like um, I heard somebody on the internet say uh, it feels like Andromeda, you know, or it feels like uh, one of those space shows. Let's say maybe Firefly, where you've got this ragtag band. And I could swear, yes. maybe I'm maybe oh I'm God. crazy here, but like I could swear that when we were on a panel uh, when we did the live show at uh, 2018 Convergence with Melissa Snodgrass, she was talking about wanting to do a, a Firefly esque show that was set in the CD part of the uh, the Star Trek universe, you know, where Captain Picard... Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, leads a band of uh, ragtag people. And it's like, that's the show we're getting. <laughs> and she's not I getting her damn her red scent, I bet, for that. <laughs> <laughs> but all that, yeah. So anyway, all the characters seem really interesting. Uh, we've got some hooks into what looks like some interesting uh, sort of story points here. Um, having the Borg be involved... Um, having what looks like androids, like Data Sung style androids. Did you catch that in the trailer? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
So, yeah, we don't know what's going on with that. Um, whoever the, uh, I don't think we know who the Admiral is that uh, Picard is talking to, but uh, she definitely seems to, uh, s- seems to say, you know, you're, you're something of the past, Jean-Luc. You don't belong here anymore. It's not your, it's not your fight. It's not your uh, Starfleet anymore. But he begs to differ. Well, and that's almost what I'm excited about is because I feel like it would be so easy for them to be like, we're going to make a Picard show and the Picard show is Starfleet being like, Captain, we need you to come back or, you know, whatever. But instead it's like, it's not just like, oh, here's your old, here's, you know, uh, Patrick Stewart on a starship. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's not like, because like Disco we knew was going to be on like a ship every week. So there's some, even though they went a little crazy, there's some semblance of like, okay, we know sort of what's going to happen. And with Picard, I think what I'm most excited about is that it's like totally different. Yeah, it, it, there's a shade of um, it seems like the entire uh, the entirety of Patrick Stewart's um, career on television uh, for just um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Captain Picard is always like, let's follow the rules. Let's be good, good officers. And then the movies, it's all let me get my guns out. And it's like, no, no, pips, <laughs> no orders. And he's always going rogue. And it seems like that's continuing here. I don't know if we've got like a full on bad moral situation, but if Starfleet doesn't want him involved in the Borg thing or the Android thing or whatever the central conflict is, it would seem that somebody in mm-hmm. uh, Starfleet is, uh, is uh, being, being naughty. <laughs> Otherwise you would have a show where they'd say, Hey, come back. We need you. We need you to do this. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, I would pay, I would pay good money to see Picard, like, kind of like, you know, like slipping in and out of like Starfleet bases, just being like, oh, I'm just visiting. And then he's like, <laughs> yeah. la, like going through the files. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, we definitely have to get a scene where they pull up to some star base or something and they're like, uh, all right, who are you? It's like, well, I'm Admiral Picard. Oh my God. Oh, come on in. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, please. It's come an on. old code, but it checks out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, lots of tantalizing looks there. Uh, excited for that. That will, of course, uh, debut on January 23rd, I think it is, of next year. And so we will definitely be covering that yeah. in the future. Uh, quick, quick, we'll flip over to the Discovery trailer for Discovery Season 3 that we saw. A uh, little shorter, but also some tantalizing looks uh, at the new landscape, literally, of Season 3. Yeah. Um. I just, I feel like I just keep saying the same thing, but I'm so excited that they're right about to like come into their own as a show. And can you hear me? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I heard you. Okay. Um, Okay. Um, And like what I was saying before, about how we knew that disco was going to be on a ship every week and now they've taken that away from us. Um, And I mean, even though they still have the ship, it's entirely different. And so I'm just, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that's the real strength of Discovery is that they can break from the just the typical procedural that Star Trek has been. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's been a, a real climatization problem for a lot of people uh, expecting a box yeah, standard definitely. Star Trek show. But yeah, that's the fact that they can do all this stuff is, um, you know, just the, the general craziness, I think, was always baked into the concept of the show. There's some, some very interesting things that we see um, – we first of all, uh, nice hair, uh, Sonequa Martin Green uh, as uh, Michael. I Barnum. know, right? Uh, it, can you? Is it hard to do like those braids like on your own? I guess you had a year, but can you make like a like a holodeck robot or something like that to help you with your uh, <laughs> with your braids? I have no idea. 
I mean, uh, I wish that I had a holodeck robot to friggin' French braid my right, hair once right. a week when I go to work. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard enough. <laughs> and then her minor at the academy was uh, cosmetology and also uh, alien cultures. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's interesting to see that she will be spending time apart, it looks like, from the Discovery crew for a while. Um, we have heard about the fact that perhaps the Federation is in somewhat dire straits that far in the future. And I think we get the suggestion that, yeah, it is uh, a shadow of what it once was, possibly even defunct. And Discovery and her crew may or may not be a part of uh, changing that. Uh, We also see we see a scene um, in a cave in the trailer, which was confirmed, I believe, to be uh, on the Trill Homeworld. Uh, And they Alex Kurtzman has said that we will be seeing the Trill homeworld and learning more about the Trill, uh, which is all fine and good. But my thing is, if we go to the Trill homeworld and we don't see somebody, somebody Dax uh, just running that thing, then what are we even here for? (laughs) Why do they even make new Star Treks? Yeah, right. I mean, if you've got a character who can possibly live forever uh, with enough hosts, then come on. Where's where's Mm -hmm. old Dax? I'm also hoping I'm hoping that since it's a little bit it's it's farther away from, you know, the all the time. All, you know, I, I've read Star Trek. We're used to it. It's, it's far. It's, you know, in the future. But I'm hoping that since they're not as close uh, to, you know, everyone's, you know, uh, I feel like it's such a the original series is such a soft spot for so many people. And I feel like now that we're maybe they've spaced themselves a little bit away from it, that we're going to have a little bit more of a, a positive year for disco. I'm hoping yeah, uh, I hope so, too. Um, of course, even though they are going to uh, strange new limits in time and space, they uh, have f- some familiar faces as well. Uh, in terms of aliens, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen some very familiar races, uh, which I think is cool. I mean, not only do I want to see what happens in the Federation in the future, but I want to see, like, where the Cardassians at, you know, where um, <laughs> where are the Morns? at uh we see a, a, oh my a Moran, God. Yeah, lurian yeah in the uh trailer uh so yeah i want to see uh, that t- type of stuff as well so i mean they've got a lot of territory a lot of storytelling territory uh that's fresh that they can get ju- dive into and i'd like to see them really stretch themselves and um deliver something really really cool yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see if they um like how much they try to expand uh like the Star Trek universe or if they, cause I feel like um, seasons one and two were so focused on uh, disco, like so focused on Michael. And now I'm interested to see if they are sort of trying to like really dive in. I'm like, I'm losing my train of thought, but <laughs> I'm interested to see how focused it is on like, you know, cause like we've had a very, um, Sorry, I'm. It's like I'm trying to translate into Spanish in my head, but I'm not in Spanish class anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the plot line from episode one all the way until the end of season two was like one solid thing, and I'm interested to see if yeah. they keep going with that. If they're very focused on one plot line, or if they try to sort of make it a little bit bigger than that, like more universal. Yeah, like I you're think... saying with seeing more uh, different kinds of aliens. I think that that is. I think that's in the cards. I think that that's what what they're going to try to do. Um, I also think that uh, in sending them to the future, 
Uh, and also seeing like the Picard series, which is nominally a sequel series to TNG, but also will have characters from all of the 24th century series. I think we're heading to like a Marvel Cinematic Universe type situation here where you have. Oh, definitely. Yeah, where you have P- the Picard show, but also here's some updates on the cast of Voyager. Um, we're going to go to the future with Discovery to do our own thing, but we're also going to use that to fill in some of the future. Also, they'll. I'm sure things that happened in the current continuity will affect people in the future. Will be talking about those things. Like remember when, uh, you know, uh, Chancellor Worf, you know, did something, something, and it has echoed through the legends and stuff. So they'll be kind of painting in that section of the canvas, and all these shows will be hopefully part of this tapestry um, designed to really uh, broaden um, the just the Star Trek galaxy in general. Um, but I want to see yes. some cool. Where's some new aliens? Come on, <laughs> like I, the Kelpians are uh, such a, <laughs> such a great new creation. Uh, if you're going to go way way in the future, then come on, give us some really weird aliens. Or like, I wonder. Like, I wonder if people will have heard of Discovery. Like, are they going to be like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're Discovery? Or are they going to like have to try and hide? Like, if she's like, oh, I'm Michael Burnham, and someone's like, you're Mike. Is, isn't that the same name as the girl who? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What have you Not heard again? Tell me the legend of Michael Burnham and if it's good or bad. No, her name was Michelle. Um, yeah, right. You've got yeah, you've got me confused with somebody My else. name is Michael, so it's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. That'll be out, who knows, sometime in 2020, probably when Picard wraps up. Uh, let's do it. Let's get into our main subject here. Uh, we've just seen the first in a new series of six short films set in the universe of Star Trek Discovery called Short Treks. This week we're talking about the first of season two, I suppose, of Short Treks. It's called Q&A. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone. So be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. Uh, not too much danger of that this time around because we're a couple days out here. The official synopsis for Q&A is Ensign Spock's first day aboard the USS Enterprise doesn't go as planned when he and number one are unexpectedly stuck together in a turbo lift. The episode was written by Michael Shaben, author of Cavalier and Clay and Wonder Boys, amongst other works. Uh, he's also written for the screen. Uh, he's wrote for Spider-Man 2, uh, John Carter, and he is also <laughs> he's the showrunner of uh, Picard, and he's a head writer on Picard. And he's also one of the writers, or at least last time I checked, for the upcoming Hasbro Cinematic Universe of films. Uh, so looking forward <laughs> to what's coming through there. Uh, he also previously wrote the short trek Calypso, which, as we were talking about the 32nd century setting of Discovery, uh, was uh, introduced there. Uh, the episode is directed by Mark Pellington. He is a producer and director and sometime actor. He directed the features Arlington Road and the Mothman Prophecies, as well as various TV episodes, music videos, and documentaries. And he also provi- provided the uh, Baul voice in the uh, episode The Sound of Thunder, um, the big That's uh, horrifying. <laughs> creature. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> This episode is dedicated to Michael Shapin's father, Robert, who's a doctor and a lawyer who passed away in April of this year. What did you think? What were your general thoughts about Q&A? Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, it, it let me down a little bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I felt like, uh, to me, it felt almost like they had a few things they wanted to happen in this, in this specific short track. And they wrote around making those specific things happen 
yeah. or something like the, the, the dialogue to me felt a little off. Interesting. Um, just in terms of them acting out of character or just being like you said, you know, we know we've got two or three beats that we need to hit. And so our characters will just sort of find themselves moving into those kind of uh, beats in, in the episode. Um, a little, a little bit of both. I guess I would say that I didn't feel like they had really bonded to the point. I think that, uh, we were supposed to see them bond. So like they're stuck in the turbo lift for like ever, but right. I didn't feel like <laughs> there was like these like concrete examples of them bonding enough to then get to the point where number one is like, I saw you smiling and like, I want you to feel like you can be yourself on this ship, but think about how people are going to perceive you. Like, yeah. Kind of jumping to the end, but then to have Spock immediately be like, oh, I've been doing that my whole life and it is painful. I just felt like, you know, they're kind of just tall. Like he's just kind of being like the annoying ensign or whatever is kind of the bit. And then <laughs> right, all yeah. of a sudden, they're having, yeah, they're like having this conversation about like his like deepest, darkest secrets and all his feelings and like all his like childhood trauma. And I was just like, I don't think that we're here yet. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. You know, in 14 minutes, it's hard to accomplish what you're describing, you know, that is taking two characters who yeah. in the continuity of this universe serve together for, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, 15, 16 years or whatever. And so building that bond of trust, finding a place where they identify with each other, even though they come from different places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see on paper. It's like, yeah. So they're, how do we do it? We're stuck in an elevator kind of sitcom. Yeah. But I can see how <laughs> I, I can see how that, I, I can see where you're going with that, but as something that is just, uh, you know, a 14 minute runner in this kind of short, yeah, it's um, it's tough. They they took something on, and I think I agree that I'm not quite sure that they uh, accomplished all the way. Yeah, like well, and by the end, I actually loved by the end when when they like finally like laugh together, like have that moment. Yeah, that moment itself felt so honest and real and I can see them getting there. It was just like the beginning right. felt like weird. And so then by the time they get there, it seemed out of place. But that when they finally get to that moment, I was like, Oh my God, that's adorable. Like <laughs> I just needed more. Like I, like I needed number one to say something that would make Spock be like, Oh, I can open up to her. Or some, you know, like so just have her sure. say something and then have a reaction shot of Spock being like, oh, like she like understands or something. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't that's... I don't, and I also don't know if I'm being I don't know if I'm being if it's too close to my heart, like Spock, like oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm being well, too yeah, picky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I there's got to be some material um, extended universe novels, books, something out there around teenage Spock. I know I've seen. Uh, child Spock a couple times. We've seen kind of a young adult and an adult Spock, an old Spock. But like, what is this Ensign character, this fresh out of the Academy mm -hmm. Spock? Yeah. And I'm not sure. I, this this could have been like a B plot in an entire episode. Um, having oh, it be so. Yeah. Having it be so isolated and also doing Gilbert and Sullivan again. Like <laughs> this is they've already, <laughs> they've already proven like they that they're willing to do, say, uh, 20th century popular music. So, you know, have her sing yeah. um, 
I don't know, Blondie or something like that. But to oh go back to go back again to Gilbert and Sullivan, like what is it with uh, <laughs> classical uh, and opera music, and especially nautical themed opera music? Um, it it was you no, know, don't get me wrong, it was like super cute. And like as <laughs> as a nascent uh, and budding filmmaker yourself, I'm sure that you understand the idea of, like you said, getting arriving where you are but looking back and going well how did the journey get us to here like I believe that moment at Mm -hmm. the end but did the steps really work to get us where we are Um, I have a feeling that your uh, professor might have something to say (laughs) about (laughs) (laughs) about the flow of uh, dialogue and uh, yeah the honesty of the uh, interactions but but again like you and I both give Star Trek because we love it a lot of I know what they're trying to do, you know, and and I and I accept yeah. that emotion. And as far as me going, yeah, I could see this totally being, you know, a day in the early life of Ensign Spock. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Did you feel like the the questions that she asked were designed to communicate something specific? Because he asks about uh, he asks about the food stuff, and we find out mm-hmm. that. I guess it's her special recipe because it's called the Una thing. And that almost mm-hmm. seemed like, I mean, no no shade to mutual friend of ours, uh, Una McCormick, but like it seemed <laughs> like they really want to hit this thing that her name is Una. And I felt like we established that already, but they make that a whole beat. Then we have um, Spock ask a question specifically questioning the ethics of the Prime Directive, which I think is something that, I mean, clearly... Trek explores that all the time, but I wonder if we will see Discovery explore that in the future in the same way that the previous short treks informed where we're going to go. Um, Spock specifically asks, like, is it even ethical to follow something like, like a prime directive? Um, and then also, this is just kind of thrown off, but like near the end of his sort of run of questions, he, he asks if uh, if the universe is a simulation or not. I, heard, I know, right? Yeah. Do you which... think that's a question Spock would ever ask? Um, I don't know, like great minds of our time have certainly asked that question. Um, but now if, if again, if this is all the syllabus for what we can expect out of season three, it's like, oh, oh now what? Like, did they really go to the 32nd century or is it all in their minds or something like that? Don't, te- come on, don't enterprise me again. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I felt like, well, and I was thinking about that because I was thinking about how much I loved the the short tracks from, you know, last season, if we can call it that. Um, But all the, really those short tracks, they, they added to the season. Like we, like the one with Saru, like you watch that and you're like, oh my God, like what a, like to delve into his character, to delve into Tilly's character, like was fantastic. And like something we needed and didn't really, didn't get a lot of time for in the show. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it. Questions. I had thought maybe it would feel a little bit better if we had already been watching Spock and Number One on screen together. Sure. Um. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good. I I wonder how much because I wonder if the Prime Directive has changed, or if well, they're you know yeah. like, like who's <laughs> using the Prime Directive. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. the future, like are so are they going to be like? Because it's completely, it's so going the, that far. In the, it's so out of left field, kind of. I feel like. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's for, there's a temporal yeah. there's a temporal prime directive where you know if you go back, uh, you definitely shouldn't mm-hmm. like uh, date Joan Collins because you're just going to be real sad when you have to yeah. throw her under a bus. 
But I think that it probably applies to like future travel as well. I mean, you can interfere with the future if you're from the past and you belong in the past. And it doesn't seem that's my question about the thrust of season three of Discovery. Are they trying to mm-hmm. get home or are they satisfied living in this new place? And so I can think of two scenarios. One would be uh, a lot of uh, hand wringing on Discovery's side, which is we are not from this time. It Clearly, we would like the Federation to do well and to be doing its good work in the future. But do we have the right to restore the Federation if it has gone away? And the other side of that is... Did the Federation reach its point of decline in the 32nd century by maybe playing its hand too much with the Prime Directive, not interfering in some galaxy-wide disturbance because they felt like Mm -hmm. it was outside of, or violating the Prime Directive to a degree where the galaxy at large turned on them? Mm -hmm. These are my ideas. Um, Yes. I really, I feel like it can't be them trying to get home because if it's them trying to get home, it's just... It's just Voyager, but with time, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you could see them doing <laughs> that, though, right? I mean, yeah, but then but then, what's what was the point? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I have, no, I feel like I, I've come on this podcast so much and I always say I have no idea. And now it's not even the middle of the night. So I can't be like, it's 3 a.m. and I have no yeah, idea what's happening. Right, yeah. And I still don't know what's going on. So to be, to be fair, though, if you look at our record, you know, we say we don't know, but I think we often have a good idea of where the story's flowing to. Some good guesses. Yeah, yes. we've, yeah, we've made some good pulls here. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that, I, I, again, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I really like the concept. I just would have liked to have seen it done a little differently. If this was a little longer or if you wanted to rewrite it a little, generally you have a conflict. Like the the, the conflict or the, the joke is these two don't know each other. They are trapped in an elevator. They come out knowing each other. Fine. But there's not, to me, there's not enough conflict there. If he was already on the uh, Enterprise, it, was his, it could be his first day, his second day. We see that they don't, get along or that they've had something where they don't like each other then they go into this elevator not really caring for each other and come out with a bond between them that's just more dynamic i think dramatically that's actually a really good point because they made so many like they were it felt like they were just hammering like the point of like, oh, they're so similar. Look, they both said indeed. They both said fascinating. And they were just yeah, like yeah. freaking like, like they were like, look at how are similar we they are. But it's like, okay, so then make them like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you're right. It would be so much more interesting if like they were too similar and they were clashing on the bridge or something. And then they happen to get stuck in the turbo lift and they have to talk. That's, yeah. you are the, right. The, the turbo lift is their get along shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, just a little idea I had. Uh, I every, I know everybody hates the great. Oh my god! Oh my god! You could even cut to Pike. You could cut literally to Anson Mount, being like, leave, leave him in there for a sec. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you could really be like, oh, take take, take your time, engineering. Yeah. You know, take your time. Right. Uh, this, my coffee's cold. What's uh, go check out the food replicator? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> everybody hates the great space coaster, but like I, I like the goofy turbo lift thing. It's just something different. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, Me too. Otherwise, it's just a boring tube and you sing Ferrajaka as you climb up it. Like, I like the idea that <laughs> we've got an engineering person. Uh, does the engi- does uh, Lieutenant uh, Goebbels have her uh, her crampons and stuff? we got to get somebody out of the turbo lift again. Like, I, I kind of like that. It's funny. 
Well, it's also, it's like reminiscent of TOS where it's like, it seems so futuristic, but then at the same time, it's like, sometimes it's like, you just got to climb in there. You know what I mean? You got to get right. in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. There's a, re- I mean, why didn't they just beam them out? Uh, and because. Oh my God. Because they didn't do that back then. Usually <laughs> didn't do that. So, yeah, I also liked uh, this has got to be an inside joke, right? That uh, the engineer that they talked to is uh, named Upjohn, which isn't doesn't stand out, but is like a Welsh name. And the character had like a sort of uh, British Isles, I think, sort of Welsh accent. Um, Mm -hmm. I pegged on an earlier episode of Enterprising Individuals. I don't think it's actually come out yet. I was talking with um, author Catherine Valenti about where no man has gone before. And if you'll remember in the first season of TNG, there was like four different chief engineers, but I, each one of them, their name was kind of a play on being Scottish. Like one of them was <laughs> McDougal. Another one was Argyle. So I think that they're kind of like going on another track here. So it's like sort of like Welshy on, uh, on Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got up John, the, uh, the Welsh engineer. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Any other thoughts about uh, Q and A before I don't know. we move um, on? I oh, can we talk about Pike? Yeah, because it's been—I feel like it's been so long since we've gotten like new content, and then that first shot where they keep him out of focus. Yeah, and then as I just—it's shocking to me how how much Anson Mount just is Captain Pike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Like the second he started talking, I was like, oh my God, I trust him so much and I love him. And that's the captain of the Enterprise. Like I like, and he's on screen for like 10 seconds and I was blown away. <laughs> trust him. Yeah. Except he's a liar as is, uh, as is uh, Ethan Peck. We asked them if there'd be any more discovery uh, at, uh, at shore leave. And they're like, no, you know, we'll see. I hope we'd love to do it again. Haven't heard anything. And then, of course, now they're back for a series of short treks. But uh, I'm glad they are. I feel that's kind of what I was. I was like, they're going to be they're going to have something, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Plus the way like, (laughs) oh, my, just the way actors answer questions like that at conventions. I'm always like, you're hiding something. There's something in there (laughs) and you're an actor. So none of us know. Yeah, they're actors. So. You can only ask bad actors that question and get the answer you want, I guess. You get an honest answer, yeah. They're always like, I don't know. Because Anson literally was like, if I knew anything, I wouldn't tell you. Like, at, during their <laughs> battle. And I was like, I know you wouldn't. And I don't know right. why they keep asking you this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to give people too much hope. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to outright lie. And I think he rode that line really well. I also, um, I like seeing him too. Uh, I liked... I boy, I also people want this po, uh, Spike and, and po, uh, Spike and Pock. Uh, try that one out, uh, Pike and Spock show. But I do want to keep seeing um, number one. Rebecca Romaine is number one as well. Um, I like the difference, the way that they both treated Spock. Like she's just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've read your file. I get it. Let's let's do this. And then we know that Pike is a gentle, sort of thoughtful man. And I like that his question to Spock is like. They're looking at this amazing thing on the screen, and he's he asks him about his culture. He's like, um, "Do do Vulcans feel awe? Like, I don't mean to be. It seemed like he's like, I don't want to be offensive, but like, do you like this? <laughs> yeah, it's just something yeah. that like, like it was like much more gentle. Yeah, like he'd never really run into like a Vulcan before, or never been able to like ask a Vulcan about this. And his just curious nature was just um, seemed right on spot on for his interpretation of the character. 
Yeah, well, and also right after he was like at ease, and Spock was like, "Oh, not my strong suit," and he was like, oh, "All right, that's okay. all right." Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't unclench, <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, that's right. <laughs> He's like, "Whatever you want, sure." <laughs> you want to stand over there with your fist <laughs> clenched the whole time? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, fist. Um, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I think we've said pretty much all there is to say about uh, Q and A. Um, a uh, enigmatic little uh, short, but I think promising of a lot of good stuff to come. That is it uh, for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at face, excuse me at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and this show, Discoverage, are released. You can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag uh, hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTpod at gmail.com. And while you are on the internet, why not go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show and give us a rating and review if you think about it. It really helps us out. And if you really want to support the show, stop by our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Also, can I remind you or recommend to you one of the newest shows on the Just Enough Trope Network? That show is Backtracking. It's a podcast where I and my co-host, Gooey Fame, examine the real-world inspirations of classic episodes of Star Trek. Every piece of art is inspired by something, and we look at how literature, films, TV shows, and even real-life events have shaped some of the most famous episodes of Star Trek, from Dred Scott to Die Hard. You can find us on Twitter at at Back trekking uh 3k's b-a-c-k-t-r-e-k-k-i-n-g or wherever you get our podcasts discovery will return uh, in a week or so i guess for the next short <laughs> trek uh that next short trek releases on october 10th which is my birthday which is why we might not be recording right on october 10th but soon after that one is called the trouble with edward in the meantime you can check out the main show enterprising individuals at enterprisingindividuals.com uh, on our most re- recent episode of enterprising individuals i spoke with trek author and educator kelly fitzgerald about education and school in the star trek universe uh, ella as somebody who is definitely going through an educational environment right now what do you think that education and school would be like in the 24th century as compared to now you know i uh I I hunger for the ability to go to Starfleet Academy every day. <laughs> and then this semester I'm taking both uh I'm taking astronomy and uh logic and I still have to drag myself to class every day. So Yeah. I think maybe it would be cheaper. <laughs> yeah. But you're still you're still dragging yourself to class. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah, that's something we talk about. Distance learning would have to definitely be a thing, but I think there's nothing nothing takes the place of uh, a drill sergeant yelling at you you know if you're in a military yeah. organization so <laughs> i think they'd still have to attend in person uh starfleet academy well ella thanks for as always for joining us or joining me joining ourselves to talk about this mm-hmm. episode uh remind people where they can find you online definitely you can find us at uh at generations geek on twitter and instagram and we are actually live on stitcher now for the first time as of i think last week all right. um and coming up soon we'll be um uh have our own uh separate uh channel on apple Podcasts. so that's outside of uh the chronic rift network where we were born we'll have our own thing so everyone should go uh keep an eye out subscribe next week and um we have an upcoming episode uh let's see what'll be what'll be up first um i think i think harry potter's out first spooky season so that is uh sort of all my like london harry potter stories and visiting the sets and stuff like that and then after that um will be 
uh, sort of a stage episode of everything I saw, like all the plays and musicals I saw oh, while I was right, in London, right. yeah. uh, including uh, the story of me meeting Haley Atwell. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the news that she's going to be in the next two Mission Impossible films? Um, I hadn't heard, and now I'm going to actually pay to see Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Love her. Well, that's awesome. That's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening, and we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying, live long and prosper. <laughs>